Hi, it's Dr. Centeno. We're going to go over episode six of my craniocervical instability series or CCI series, understanding common injections that CCI patients can get. Listen, uh, CCI patients are out there in pain. Many have headaches, neck pain, etc., and they're often offered various injections in the neck and head. Some of these are different than others. What I find is a lot of patients don't really understand what's being done and why. So I think it's important to go over what these injections are and, and really what the pros and cons are of each injection type. So we're gonna go over lots of different injections here to try to educate you. And we'll talk about dry needling, trigger point injections, nerve blocks, cervical epidurals, cervical facet injections, radiofrequency ablation or RFA, prolotherapy, and stem cells slash exosomes. So let's go over some of these, and we'll start with dry needling and trigger point injections. CCI patients can develop trigger points in their muscles, and these are areas of the muscle that really don't function well, they're shut down, they're painful. So just by taking a needle and breaking up that area, and usually it's an acupuncture needle for trigger point dry needling, it's also called intramuscular stimulation or IMS, you can provide someone some temporary relief. You can also inject some local anesthetic. You don't really need steroid, that doesn't help, but some doctors inject it. It probably causes more harm than good. And sometimes there are other natural things that are injected like tremeal, etc. But a trigger point injection largely works, we know, through the mechanical effect of the needle. So injecting stuff doesn't really add much. That's why a lot of physical therapists will just use an acupuncture needle. And sometimes acupuncturists will, will do this same kind of thing and they call that treating an ashi point. So that's trigger point injections. And they can be temporarily effective for pain relief by getting rid of that trigger point. Then we've got nerve blocks. Now there are nerves at the back of the head that supply the head and there are nerves on the side as well. So we've got the third occipital nerve uh, far in the back. Then as we go from the midline out, we've got the great occipital nerve and then we've got the lesser occipital nerve and then we've got the tempororicular nerve and then far in front, we've got the transverse cervical nerve right under the sternocleidomastoid muscle in the front, also called the superficial cervical plexus. In addition, there's a sphenopalatine ganglion that's inside the nose. Now, all of those are common and sometimes uncommon nerve blocks that can be done for patients that have headaches. A lot of CCI patients have headaches, so they will tend to get these nerve blocks. Now, a lot of times nerve blocks are done with local anesthetic and high-dose steroid, we don't do them that way here. If we do this, we'll use a lower dose steroid, about a million times less, that's not gonna be harmful to the tissue. And we'll use platelet growth factors called platelet lysate, but a lot of places use high dose steroid, which can be harmful to the tissue, as well as local anesthetics. And some of those local anesthetics like Marcania bupivacaine can also be toxic to the tissue. But be that as it may, the purpose of this is to reduce swelling around the nerve to try to help the headache because the nerve's irritated, it's causing the headache in its distribution. So what we see here with these types of injections is that the doctor will generally just do this blind in the office. Now the problem with a blind injection in the office is that 
it's a blind injection, meaning it's hard to know that you're in the right spot. You can also do these with electrical guidance, where there's an electrical stimulator that's used, but that's not common. More common these days is using ultrasound guidance where you can see the nerve, and that's definitely the best type of nerve block to get because the doctor knows exactly where they've been and can target that nerve directly. Then as an offshoot of nerve blocks, we've got Botox. I didn't mention that in the beginning, but it's kind of an offshoot of a nerve block, but it's a bit different. As you probably know, you've got a nerve that talks to the muscle that tells the muscle what to do. Now, the nerves we were talking about above were generally nerves that were just sensory nerves, meaning that they just go to a specific place. They don't tell a muscle what to do, but motor nerves tell a muscle what to do. A lot of CCI patients have very tight muscles in their neck, and many times they'll be offered Botox injections. Botox injections are chemicals that are derived from botulinum toxin, which can reduce the ability of the nerve to talk to the muscle. Now, if you put a little bit of Botox in, what you tend to see is the muscle will relax, usually for about two or three months. If you put too much Botox in, the muscle will shut down completely. So there's two different kinds of products out there. One's called Botox, the other's called Myoblock. We've had better success with Myoblock than Botox, but a lot of people still use Botox. Now, these injections will commonly be done for headaches uh, in the upper neck, around the neck for stiffness, or for headaches, they'll be done in the front of the head and on the side of the head and the back of the head. Now, one of the big problems with Botox and relaxing these muscles is that CCI patients have tight muscles because things are unstable. And the muscle tightness is providing some stability. So by getting rid of that muscle tightness with the Botox injections, a lot of times CCI patients will go the other direction and get a very poor result from Botox because they need that muscular tightness. Then we go on to cervical interventional injections, and these require, usually, these days, x-ray guidance. Some of these can be done with ultrasound, but usually x-ray guidance is the way to go, and that's called fluoroscopy. And that's a cervical epidural or a cervical facet injection, also radiofrequency ablation. So a cervical epidural is when the doctor injects, usually, steroid and anesthetic, around the nerves in the neck into the epidural space. Now you might know that term from pregnancy, right? A, a pregnant woman gets an epidural for pain relief, but realize that we're just talking about the space that's injected, that's called the epidural space. And here, this is a much more precise injection around a specific nerve in the neck that might be irritated. You can also do specific spinal nerve blocks, and that's an offshoot of an epidural. And again, we don't use high-dose steroids. Uh, they cause tissue damage, so we tend to use platelet lysate, which is platelet growth factors. But that's a cervical epidural. And they might be effective in the upper neck, but the problem is the higher you go in the upper neck with a CCI patient for a cervical epidural, the more risk you take in shutting down the patient's ability to breathe. So generally, this is a, a less common injection that a CCI patient might get. And then we've got cervical facet injections and realize that craniocervical instability affects the upper neck joints, C0, C1, C1, C2, and C2, C3 as we go from the top on down. 
What's interesting is that while most doctors will inject C2C3 under x-ray guidance or sometimes ultrasound guidance, they aren't really comfortable injecting C1, C2, and C0, C1. So we have very few physicians around the country that have done a lot of C0, C1, and C1, C2 injections. That's a problem because many CCI patients will benefit from getting these levels injected. Again, we tend to use PRP and bone marrow concentrate, but the injections I'm talking about that are more common are high-dose steroids, which can harm joints, but they're potent anti-inflammatories, so they may make patients feel better. So just realize from a treatment standpoint, you've got these upper cervical joints that can be injected under x-ray guidance. Now, we also see a lot of fake facet injections. We'll see a lot of prolotherapists, and we'll get to prolotherapy in a minute, that will claim to be injecting C0, C1, or C1, 2, or C2, 3, but they're really not. What they're using is x-ray to kind of place the needle somewhere near the joint, but they're not actually going into the joint. In order to go into the joint, you've got to confirm that with contrast, and they're not doing that. So they have no idea if they're in the joint or not. So these are what I would call fake facet injections. And we can tell the difference when we look at your records, who's had a real facet injection and who has not. So realize the fake facet injections are out there, and usually we see those being done by physicians that do prolotherapy. Then we've got radiofrequency ablation. That's done where a probe is placed, something looks like a thick needle, right near the nerve that takes pain from the joint. And that nerve is literally burned because the end of the probe heats up and ablated. And the concept is that it takes pain away from the joint, usually for anywhere from six months to a year and a half in the, in the cervical facets. So it'll take pain away from the facet joint. Now the problem is it's a destructive procedure that can also impact the muscles in the neck. So we have not performed these procedures in a while. And our CCI patients need as many muscles as they can get to stabilize. In addition to that, you generally can't do radiofrequency ablation higher than C2-3. So that means you can't really do it at C1-2 and C0-C1, where a lot of CCI patients have their issues and problems. Then we move into prolotherapy. Prolotherapy is injecting a substance that can cause a brief inflammatory healing response. The most common injection type out there with prolotherapy is using hypertonic dextrose, and that's just concentrated sugar water. But small changes in concentration can have dramatic effects on what happens to the tissue. So as an example, let's say I took all your red blood cells and I took them from 0.9% saline, which is what the concentration of your blood is, and I moved that down to 0% and put them in distilled water. All of those blood cells would pop in about 10 seconds. So just a 1% change in what we call osmolarity can have a dramatic effect on tissue. So that's how prolotherapy works. You put in a hyper-concentrated solution of sugar water, basically, and that causes a brief inflammatory healing response in the area, giving the patient another bite at the healing apple. Now, realize that most prolotherapists do this blind. That means they kind of palpate, and you can treat some of the superficial ligaments in the back that way, but we don't do any blind prolotherapy here. We haven't in a very, very long time. 
Imaging guidance is, is cheap and widely available and should be used with prolotherapy. We do have some prolotherapists that will use some ultrasound for imaging guidance, which is good. And we do have some prolotherapists that will use the fluoroscopy like I talked about above, but they're really not injecting inside joints, they're just injecting near joints. And realize again that prolotherapy is focused on those posterior ligaments that are easy to reach, not the ones that we treat with the PICL procedure where you have to come from the front. And then finally, to round this discussion up today, we've got stem cells, exosomes, all that kind of stuff. And here you've got to be really, really careful because most physicians out there doing these sorts of things have no idea what they're doing. They've taken a weekend course and many times they're not even injecting the patient with live stem cells. So one of the things we have tended to see is a lot of chiropractic offices will add this as a service line to make money and they'll have a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant do these blind or ultrasound guided injections, mostly muscle trigger points using amniotic or umbilical cord tissue. Now the problem with amniotic and umbilical cord tissue is that none of that contains any live stem cells, despite what the providers tell you. It's all dead tissue. It does have some growth factors like PRP, but it's really not a live cell injection. And generally, we tend to see very low levels of sophistication in those providers. Now, we do have some interventional spine physicians that are using these things, and that kind of bleeds us into exosomes, and then we'll finish out with kind of real regenerative medicine to give you an idea of what that looks like. So if we look at exosomes, exosomes really are the things that stem cells produce. They're little packets of information. The problem with exosomes is that we have no earthly idea whether or not exosomes are effective for any clinical condition. There's no clinical studies whatsoever. And the FDA has declared them an illegal drug product. So I don't think they'll be around for long. And that bleeds into the end of our podcast and talking about bone marrow concentrate and PRP. PRP is platelet-rich plasma. So that's where someone takes your blood, they concentrate the platelets, and then they inject those concentrated platelets that have healing growth factors and can heal tissue. For patients with CCI, that can be helpful in injecting that into some of the ligaments, obviously into, into muscles, tendons, etc. And we use platelet lysate, which is the growth factors taken from PRP, because that works better around nerves. So PRP is actually real regenerative medicine. You just have to find someone that knows what they're doing with it. They're using the right type of PRP and they're placing it into the right spots. Again, a good example of that would be an interventional spine physician that has a lot of experience in injecting C0C1. There are some out there, but they're very, very uncommon. Placing PRP into that joint, that would be a good treatment for a CCI patient that may help quite a bit. Then we get into bone marrow concentrate, and we'll end up with that. Bone marrow concentrate is taking bone marrow from the back of the hip, concentrating the stem cell fraction, and again, we'll use that in the PICL procedure, we'll use that in the joints, we'll use that in the ligaments. It can be a powerful treatment for CCI patients if put in the exact right spots. So that's kind of a rundown of all the different types of injections you might encounter out there as a CCI patient. And just to give you a sense of the pros and cons of each, 
what to look out for, what to stay away from, and just to understand that there's so much that patients get exposed to, and it's critical that they know what these things are. So thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Again, this has been episode six of the CCI series. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.